welcome to our um, Animals of the Bible podcast. I'm here uh, with Pete and with Hello. Ben, and uh, I'm Tom. We're pastors here at the church, and uh, this 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 is kind of the feature length or the full length version. And uh, we have also been reduce, uh, producing a, a kids version, slightly shorter, which you can listen to as a, as a family. Uh, today we are looking at the snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, lots to say about the snake. Um, crops up right at the beginning and right at the end and in various places throughout the Bible. So uh, we're, we're going to kick off, are we, with a reading? Yeah, well, I mean, um, the, the, the most famous yep. uh, reading is, is Genesis chapter 3. Here is God. He's created the world. He's created mankind to rule the world. Um, and uh, they're, they're to go into God's world, to do God's work under God's word. Um, but... Uh, you know, this is where Satan comes in, uh, and he comes in the form of a serpent or a snake. Mm. Uh, And so Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent uh, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. (coughs) For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So so it goes on. Mm. So this is absolutely fundamental to the Christian faith this this um this uh, event mm. that changes mm. what we were mm. and brings the whole curse of god the listening to um a false god mm. and the ruination of the world mm. and that's why we need the savior mm. but yeah mm. that's the first introduction to the snake yeah and um you know when you read through genesis 1 and 2 the, the end of genesis 2 um is a very celebratory happy scene you know mm. you've got adam and eve coming together uh, uniting together under god in god's world this is going to be the future uh, they're going to multiply and rule the earth and reign over the earth and uh, things are looking very positive and it's just that start of chapter three now the serpent and if there was a soundtrack mm. you know you that's when the sort of bassy piano notes would come in you know yeah. as it's introducing this this thing here and um you know what we learn about him is that he's crafty and it's a very interesting word because um it's used another time in job where it, it means crafty as well but then it's used lots of times in the book of proverbs where it comes to mean something like prudent um or shrewd or mm. sensible even and um and so uh, the word crafty isn't in itself a bad thing and as we'll see later on there are there are good ways to be crafty and prudent and sensible um, but the uh, the terrible thing about this serpent is he uses his craftiness or his prudence for evil uh, he takes a gift which God has given him and wants to work it towards uh, harmful harmful ends um, yeah he's got he's got he his god-given ability yeah mm. Uh, against God, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you see that in his tactic, don't you? Because his opening gambit is a question, uh, which, which if you'd asked, if you'd asked someone who really knew what God had said, um, probably could have been dealt with quite easily. Uh, or if he'd come out with, um, if he'd come out with a statement, maybe rather yeah, than a question, said, or he could have even said, well, "What did God say?" Yeah. 
it, it, there's, there's no yeah. wanting to listen to God, isn't it? No. Did God. Yeah, yeah. did mm. God really say? And mm. and is that what he really meant? And mm. it's, um, it is just, it's very shrewd in, its, in the way that it's put, isn't it? Because mm. it, 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 it kind of makes you distrust God in a way. Did mm. God really say that? Mm. Um, isn't God meant to be clear? But what did he really mean? It's just so you see that shrewdness straight away. Yeah, yeah. He wants them to think they're misremembering, doesn't he? That, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Having said that, maybe he didn't, you know. Mm. So, and, uh, and so he's doubting uh, the certainty of God's word. He's also doubting the goodness of God mm. um, because God had already made Adam and Eve to be like him. Uh, there was that creator-creature distinction, but as much as a creature can <coughs> be, um, it was like God, it knew God, it walked with God, and they already enjoyed um, as much of that as they could. Mm. But here he wants them to think that God is withholding something good from them, something that they could access, but he's choosing not to give them in his harshness and cruelty. Mm. And so he says, oh, you know, you know, God knows when you eat of it, your eyes are open, you'll be like God. And yeah. uh, that's the temptation he lays before them. He tries to think that what God has given them is actually not as good as they thought it was. Yeah. Um, and that's a, decep- that's a deception. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and so for that, you know, in uh, in verse fourteen, so the Lord God said to the serpent, "Because you have done this, um, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals." So here's the two categories of animals: livestock type animals, wild and an- wild animals, and you are cursed above all. Mm. Um, you know, you are cursed uh, uh, above every other animal. You will crawl on your belly. So, um, you know, it's interesting. So maybe this serpent had some kind of legs beforehand or, um, but now I he's... Think though, I, I think actually <coughs> when they look at snakes, uh, there, there, are, there are two little sort of holes or something. Oh, there? right, where, yeah. where, where they would where, have where been. Where they yeah. could, there could have been legs. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm maybe wrong on that. There we go, yeah. There's some snake expert who knows. Yeah, you'll get someone writing <laughs> yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I um, think that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant. And so he's, uh, he's cursed here to crawl on the, on the belly, to eat dust all the days of his life, and then... Um, there's going to be this enmity between you and the woman, her offspring and yours. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. So there is now going to be this kind of tension and uh, war between the serpent and mankind. But that war is going to come to a dramatic end one day. Mm. And there's a promise that this deceptive, crafty, evildoer is going to be crushed underfoot. Mm. You know, And that will involve the suffering of the crusher but ultimately the victory of the, the one who's crushed. So there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot about the serpent just in this. I, I suppose we've got to be, be, be a get, bit clear. Although uh, an actual snake is a picture of and should remind us of these things, we're not saying that every snake is demon-possessed. No. <laughs> no, or out to um, get you And, and, and there, there's clearly, uh, you know, Lucifer himself, the, the evil yes. one, the devil, yeah. Uh, yeah. in the form of... Yeah, it's uh, like an incarnation, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 So right, well, from then on, um, th- this is this is sort of where we where we see uh, the the kind of trajectory through the Bible of this enmity between the serpent or Lucifer and mankind uh, and this crushing to come. Uh, wh- where do we go from there? Should we go right to the other end well, of the you Bible? Do you go think, to the other we end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see the end so of the, the story. other end. You've got the serpent, the snake that's yeah. that's being dealt with by Christ uh, in the Book of Revelation. So yeah, you know, it's on. top and tailed with with a snake, isn't yeah, it? The, yeah, yeah, it the, is the Bible. Yeah, um, go on then. Open yeah. that up for us. Uh, make uh, well, I, um, it's uh, where can we turn? Revelation twenty. Yes, um, you've got the destruction uh, of of the ancient snake. I think it's Revelation twenty. Yeah, verse like seven onwards. I think is isn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want you read it then? I'm yeah. Not so the, I mean, well, you know, this is a 
subject. You can go back to our, was it our first Corona Chronicles? Yes, it was, ever, yeah. When we did Revelation. 180 well, well, episodes. Actually, in, in, in verse 2, it, it says uh, he seized the dragon, mm. uh, the, that ancient serpent, yes. who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Mm. Um, so there, here's Christ seizing him, ruling over him, and mm. so forth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and... Um, you know, there's lots of ink that's been spilt on this particular chapter, hasn't there? But I, I think that the, the, the interesting thing here is that um, Satan, I- in the gospel age, which we're living in now, where Christ is reigning upon the throne as Lord and triumphant King, in this age where the gospel is going out and people are being saved, uh, although Satan is still the roaring lion, he's still the deceiver, he's still the serpent, he is bound in regard to the progress of the gospel. So yes. he cannot ultimately stop Christ's triumphant church Mm -hmm. um, going out into the world preaching the gospel and seeing lost people saved Um, so he can't stop that he's bound in that sense isn't Mm. he right now Um, and then later on in the chapter it says ah and when Christ the triumphant king returns this serpent is going to be well Satan's doom as it says here in my in this and and it's the cross that does that so so that great Uh, promise in in back in genesis which is that he will crush your head Mm. uh, and you will strike his heel and so at the cross you get the striking of the the heel of 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 jesus Mm. on the cross it looks like satan's one he's poisoned christ he killed christ Mm. but that very action is the thing that will stamp Mm. on his head yeah and and again and again uh, you know as as gospel people we're we're told, we're promised that we can go into the world mm. and pick up snakes. Yeah. And now I don't think that means no. <laughs> uh, a f- a physically, you know, there, there are Drink people that poison. do that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> we are to stamp on their head and we will be stamping on their head with the gospel. Yeah. Mm. We can go into uh, Satan's kingdom and ruling place with the gospel and stamp him out mm. because of the cross. Mm. Yeah. yeah, not because of our power. No, no. Yeah. And you just—I mean, just a few weeks ago now, you preached a sermon on exactly that, didn't you? From the the, the kind of Christ, the Victor. Yeah. You know, at the cross, he disarms evil, crushes evil. You know, um, mm. so people can go back and listen to that from Colossians, wasn't it? Um, it's a great encouragement, personally, as well as thinking about the the global scope of the church, the sort of the cosmic church throughout the ages. Satan cannot attack. He cannot stop the progress of the church, mm-hmm. and that means personally as well. If you are in Christ. Uh, he Satan is bound. He cannot he cannot devour you um, anymore. And so personally, though you might feel like you are under siege, or whether you are facing temptations, or you might worry about your um, salvation state in the future, mm. uh, it's a great reassurance that Christ has bound Satan even from devouring you. Mm. Um, mm. It's not just the the church, capital T, capital C, but also you if you're mm. in Christ. He's mm. you're, you're safe from him as well and and our job as a church mm. you know we get we get a bit, you know churches get very, very often can get distracted mm. in doing all kinds of things that are good and helpful and nice and you know in one sense christian mm. um <coughs> but our job really uh in season or out of season whether it's going well for us or not is just to simply proclaim the cross of christ isn't mm. it that simple message of that good news of christ and that is the thing where the spiritual warfare is really going on and people are being claimed back mm. from Satan's kingdom into into, into Christ's kingdom. So mm. that's what we've got to keep mm. doing, isn't mm. it? And we just keep reminding ourselves that's our task. Mm. Yep. That's the power of God. Yep. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Um, 
Okay, so perhaps we can say then that the main thing when it comes to the snake, um, both beginning to end, is that he he or it becomes a type of evil. It's, mm. it, it stands for, it represents um, Satan uh, in his craftiness, in his wickedness, in his hostility towards man and God. Um, you know, he's going to be destroyed one day, uh, but for the moment he's been crushed and defeated because of the cross. And uh, although as we take the gospel out, we're to expect tension because the enemy is still real, uh, we ultimately do so from a place of victory because his head is crushed and his tail is just thrashing around. Mm. There's yeah. some, you know, people who might be hurt by the thrashing, but the head has been crushed. Um, so that's the, that's the kind of big story. Um, now, but the snake is also used in, in other ways, some more positive um, and some, uh, you know, a little bit strangely here, he, the snake comes in various stories so um i don't know which, which one's best to go to what what do you think um well, there are quite a few you've got aaron's rod and all yeah. that sort of stuff but i guess the the best one is is in in numbers mm. uh where um uh, the people of of god are extremely disobedient um uh, idolatrous uh and and god sends a curse of mm-hmm. poisonous venomous snakes in, mm-hmm. in the in the desert mm-hmm. yeah it's almost like they're. Com- it's almost like the Lord's reminding them of what He's done for them because they're they're just they're just moaning against God. They say, "Why have you brought us out of, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. We detest this miserable food." <laughs> so they're saying, "God, the food that you've given us, the manna, we hate it. Um, you know, why have you taken it? It was better that we were we were we were uh, under slavery." And then in, in verse six of chapter twenty-one uh, of Numbers, it says, "Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them." They bit the people and many Israelites died. So it's kind of, I don't know, perhaps the Lord there is reminding them of um, the state that they were under, you know, before uh, he had saved them, before he'd taken them out, you know. Well, they're longing not to be his people, aren't they? Yeah. They're basically saying, oh, we were, we're better off not being your people. Yeah. Hmm. Well, fair enough. Here you go. And, 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 and the sort of, the, the um, remembrance and the, um, what do you call it when old people reminiscence and mm. looking back to the good old days they yeah. weren't good old days no. mm. you know they, they weren't eating melons no. and, you know they're <laughs> slaves yeah. it's all a load of rubbish yeah. Yeah, so the, so that's really interesting isn't it and, and good that you read that because the so although the people have been um, bitten by these snakes and they've got literal poison running through their veins mm. Um, the the other poison running through their veins is is the kind of the serpent's poison, uh, which, which is this um, distrust of God's goodness. Mm. We saw that in Genesis three, uh, the kind of uh, you know a belief that God has not got their best at heart. You know that that's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Exactly, they're yeah. grumbling and saying, actually, God, you know, it's not so good being in relationship with you after all. Yeah. Um, you know, we 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 think there might be something better on the other side. Mm. Um, and so that the, the 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 poison serves as a reminder of the sort of satanic lie, doesn't yeah. it? Um, that that is going on there. And uh, the remedy is quite interesting, isn't it? Because uh, uh, the people come to Moses and they say, "Pray that the Lord will take these snakes away from us." And so Moses prays for the people, and then the Lord said, "Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone is, who is bitten can look at it and live." And mm. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And then, as he said, when anyone bitten by a snake looked at it, at the bronze snake, he, he lived. Um, so this is an interesting remedy, isn't it? Yeah. I also just noticed that it, the Lord's not particularly answering their prayer exactly because their prayer is that for the snakes to be taken away. And the Lord doesn't 
answer it that way, does he? He doesn't take the snakes away, but he provides a remedy for being bitten by the snakes, mm. um, perhaps to, to remind them um, that they need him um, uh, again and again. Yeah, and it, as you said, it's interesting because th- there's um, a snake. So, so Moses makes a, this bronze snake and he puts it up on a pole. And and the instruction was go and if you get bitten by a snake, go and look at this bronze snake lifted up on this pole, and you will live if you look at it. Mm. And you sort of, on a first reading, you go, eh, what? Mm. Isn't the snake the type of sort of evil and of uh, not following God and of sort of this venom in us? Why would looking at that mm. be the thing that saves us? Mm. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because what you've done there is put yourself into the Israelite sort of thinking. Mm. Which is what? Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. Why should I, that doesn't yeah. make sense? Yeah. Um, why isn't a cucumber up there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 then you're dying. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 God's remedy in many ways is absolutely beautifully simple. Yeah. Look and live. Mm. And uh, and and you and I are heads down saying, well, that's stupid. Why well, I wouldn't have done it that way, yeah. and we die. Be bitten by a snake. Don't want to look at another one. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at another. One. It's stupid. What a stupid idea. Yeah. Um, whereas salvation is just very simple. Mm. God, in His kindness, just says, "Look and live. Look mm-hmm. and live." And loads of them don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because of that sort of pride, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is pride, and, yeah. and a belief that we can solve our own problems. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, why not climb a tree? and get out of their way or yeah. um, move camp or yeah. there's all kinds of things we would well, rather try. Why would try? God send Jesus um, to die on a cross for me? That's silly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you yeah. Know, why wouldn't it be it my good works? Yeah. Why, why, you know, yeah. it all sounds so silly, but yeah. God just says look and live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's that simplicity which is picked up in, in John chapter 3. Um, so this story is used in such an amazing way. Um, and uh, we're told in verse 14 just of John 3, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross, uh, which it is, uh, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Um, and so the um, the comparison there is not, you know, uh, that there was a snake in the wilderness, Jesus is like a snake. Yeah. Um, you know, let's lift them both up. But the, the point is, like, um, there's going to be a lifting up, there's going to be a kind of a sacrifice, uh, an offering for your sin, and uh, you are simply to look, to trust, and you will live. Um, in other words, you're not to, as you were just saying, try to fix it with your good works. Uh, you must look away from yourself and look to God's remedy, uh, and only then are you going uh, to find eternal life and salvation. Um, mm. So the snake, like, although Genesis and Revelation is like the type of evil, it, it's used in this amazing way where it becomes like an image of the cross and looking to God for salvation. Mm. Um because I suppose the, the, the people, the Israelites, um, when they came to Moses and said, pray to the Lord, they're praying, take away the problem. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, they're not saying we want God to be our savior. Don't pray that God yes. would save us. Yes. We don't want God. Yes. We just don't want the problem. Yes. Yeah. And so in God, in his kindness, says you can't not have the problem without me. <laughs> yes. You need me to not have the problem. Mm. And therefore, I'm going to put a permanent reminder up for you that in order to be free from the snakes you have to have my salvation and i suppose it's the same with with jesus isn't it we don't we can't have a life eternal life without jesus Mm. um and some people say why did jesus have to come at all in history why couldn't god have just sort of why couldn't god have just done it behind the scenes and we wake up in heaven one day well Well, well, most religions don't have a cross do they no yeah Nothing to look to, you mean? To, well, to be yeah, it's not really. It's, it's, it's basically God gives you a rule and you you work it out. Yeah. 
And so this is this is this is the humility, isn't it, yes. of saying, "No, I'm full of venom. Mm. I don't understand everything. I just need to look and live." Yeah, mm. yeah. And and I suppose then people are judged mm. by their own actions because salvation is there on a pedestal for you. All you have to do is look up at it. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you, only yourself mm. and your pride, to say, oh, "No, I don't want to look at it." Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of that, isn't there? There's so the, when we're yeah. in the uh, aquarium or whatever it is and we see a snake all we should be reminded of all these truths mm, yeah. yeah brilliant um okay well there's a, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of other things just g- going through my mind i mean th- there's a sense in um you know in the sermon on the mount isn't there where the uh, where the snake again is seen as like the most awful thing that you could give to someone mm. so you know jesus is talking about um prayer and he's saying, "Look, you, you, look, you earthly fathers and mothers, you, you just know that if your child asks you for an egg or a bit a of fish. bread or yeah, a fish, fish, you're not gonna like give them a snake instead. Uh, that would be the worst thing that you could imagine. You mm. know, to, to present a child with a snake with yeah. all the venom and aggression of the snake. So it's used there as like the opposite of what God is like. Really, he's you know how much more is your heavenly Father going to give good gifts to those who are you know he mm. loves to be good and to give and he's not going to give you horrible nasty things that are going are going to kill you. Mm. Um, even you know that you you, you earthly uh, disciples. Um, so that's again being used in a, to prove a negative point or make a positive point by making it negative. If you mm. see what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there is a way that Jesus uses it which is a slightly more positive, isn't it? And it, it sort of goes right back to that original definition of craftiness. Um, and this is where he's talking about what his disciples or his followers ought to be like as they live in the world. Um, and um, does one of you want to read that? Or yeah, it's Matthew. It's Matthew 10. Mm. Um, not sure what verse it is. Um, yeah, so he's saying... Uh, he's sending out his disciples. Uh, he's sending out the twelve to go and preach the gospel, and he's teach, teaching them all kinds of things, obviously. And in verse eleven, he says, um, "Whatever town or village uh, you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter his home, uh, give it your greeting. If the home is uh, deserving, let your peace rest on it. Uh, if it is not, let your peace return to you." Um, if uh, sorry, here we go. Uh, if uh, anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet. Sorry, have I got the right? No, keep going. Yeah, You're, keep getting going. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting there. Yeah, sixteen is where it is. <laughs> well, do we'll, you want to carry we'll, on we'll there? Because I'm now it. confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, he's sending them out, um, and uh, so I mean, from verse fifteen, he's saying, look, if people reject you and your gospel message, I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment them for that town um in other words it's going to be uh, pretty awful for them if they reject you and the message of the kingdom but i'm sending you out like sheep among wolves therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves yeah sorry I no it's fine no, so yeah, it's yeah, good yeah. to have the context actually <laughs> yeah, as, to, yeah. as to as to why we need to be uh as shrewd as snakes and i, I guess because the we, we've got a, a mission we've got a job we have to take the gospel out to the world but we've just heard that not everyone's going to accept it um, and some people are actually going to be a bit hostile to it. So we, in this mission, have to be as shrewd as snakes. So we have to be as crafty and as forward-thinking and as clever um, in the way that we approach this job. We can't be sloppy with it. We have to... I mean, if you look at Paul, 
in in the in the New Testament in Acts. He's not sloppy in the way that he goes around the, with the gospel, is he? He's diligent. He's hardworking. He's mm creative he's always thinking of new ways to apply the scriptures to the people he's talking to yeah. um and, and in that sense we have to be as yeah as that's exactly what he does in Acts 17 when he goes to athens you know he's like a, he's as shrewd as a snake it, you mm. know he's prudent he's sensible he thinks right i've got this you know gospel um that god's son has been raised from the dead and he is the lord of all how am i going to um both avoid unnecessary um tension mm. um and also just get it to land it you know in in this culture at this time so there is a shrewdness in thinking like that isn't mm. there um and the context here is you know is persecution so i'm sending you out like sheep among wolves mm-hmm. i mean you know broadly speaking you don't put those two together you try and keep them apart but yep. jesus is saying you are going to be a sheep among the wolves so there is going to be hostility and persecution here and therefore and um, because that's the environment you're going into mm. um, you need to be as innocent as doves in other words not to compromise not to uh, sin like they do um, but also you are to be uh, thoughtful and prudent in how you go about this work um, and you just before we were recording gave a good really good illustration of uh, Cromwell and and oh, that might be a, worth a um, historical sort of um, yeah, yeah but it's a good one, one of, of yeah so Thomas sort of Cromwell um, you know um, he was uh, privy to the you know Henry VIII who was a tyrant and wicked man uh, uh, and um, you know Cromwell um, or you know he did all kinds of bad things yeah. but 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 he, he brought about the reformation really uh, in 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 uh, our country um and um he used a lot of sort of shrewdness and thinking but he was at a meeting where there were uh, very zealous evangelicals and they weren't wrong they were just very zealous and one young man stands up and says uh, i will go and convert the pope yeah. when the pope hears about justification by faith he know that the whole roman catholic system is wrong and he'll be changed and then i'll go to henry the eighth and i'll tell him to repent mm. and turn to to christ and uh, um, I mean they're pretty crude, uh, but I won't say exactly what. <laughs> so uh, uh, Thomas Cromwell says stuff like, "Well, you can do that if you like, but you're not going to last very long." Mm. Uh, uh, and he got on with changing laws, mm. sort of subtly. Mm. So that there, there, there's that, isn't mm. there? The young man, in one sense, okay, fine, but you're not going to last long. You'll, mm. You will be killed, mm. and many of them were, of mm. course. Um, but you know. Thomas is working laws and rules under. Yeah, that, that's. Yeah. A, I think that is a good illustration because he's got the same vision as that young man in, yeah. in one sense, isn't he? He wants to see, you know, um, Bible Christianity yeah. established in the land, but he knows that he's got certain gifts and opportunities which will allow him to play a, a longer game. You know, not not to sort of wholly compromise, no. uh, but to think a bit more strategically about okay, well, how can I use my influence for the good of the gospel here? Um, and it may not be an all guns blazing approach, yeah. and that's got to be like what Jesus is recommending it's, here. It's isn't a it? bit like you know, uh, uh, not, you know, I totally believe in free speech, and I would argue that they should be allowed to do this. But when you get Christians sort of standing up in the street shouting out, you know, verses against homosexuality, you do think is mm. that is that mm. why is that wise? Is that gentle? Is that wise? Now, I'm, uh, you know, I, w- I, w- I would want to defend uh, uh, free speech. Please get me right on that. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I, I'm not sure if I want to do that. And mm. if that's a, a winsome way of trying to win homosexuals to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. So we've got to, th- 
you know, we've got to, innocent as doves, in other words, you know, we're going to keep the truths and yeah. we're not going to compromise the truths, but we don't have to shout our mouth at, at the no. most, th- the thing that's going to most offend people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also strikes me, Jesus says in verse 22, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. So he says, uh, well, he says, truly I tell you, you're not finished going through the towns of Israel before the Son, son of Man comes. And I guess he's saying, you will not finish being persecuted before I return. Um, but there's a there's a don't there's a don't don't give up on the job, um, but find things you can do um, in order to bring about the gospel. Um, yeah. Yeah, like a snake waits its time. It's patient. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, mm. it, it, it can sit there for a long time looking at its prey, its tongue coming out, tasting the atmosphere, and, <laughs> you know, because that's how it, 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 it knows whether there's a mouse around or anything like that. And mm. it's just waiting patiently mm. to strike, isn't mm. it? Mm. And we don't do that in deceptive ways, but we should be waiting. You know, people, Christians at work, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. you're looking for opportunities, and, but we need to be wise in how, mm. we, uh, how we speak. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. had um, I had a brilliant uh, on my Cornhill course. I had a brilliant um, example of this as well. This guy who went as a revitalization project as a pastor of this old dwindling church in somewhere in Scotland, and he he over two hours recounted us slowly six years worth of his journey in that church and the stuff he'd been trying to change, and and his 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 sort of refrain throughout that those two hours was as wise as serpents as innocent as doves because he was um he was talking about sometimes he would have to do things a little more secretly because he had great opposition in that church he would never do anything deceptively but he sometimes had to be careful who he who he spoke to about certain things um it was just fantastic and then that was a real life example of where even in the church we can sometimes be among wolves Mm. um and we need to uh, be as wise as serpents. But he, he said, as innocent as doves. Mm. We, yeah. we are not in a worldly way trying to gain the upper hand. Yeah. We have a mission, which Wh- is to proclaim which Christ. Which I think goes on to another sort of theme mm. in the Bible about snakes, where the word viper is used, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Because, because that we, we are, let's be snakes. Yeah. Crafty, thinking through, careful, you know. <laughs> but we're not to be the vipers. Exactly. And uh, and <clears throat> there are uh, very strong condemnations against religious leaders, both from John the Baptist mm. and Jesus himself. Mm. You brood mm. of vipers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what John the Baptist calls calls these um, hypocritical people who are coming out, and that, you know they're not there to repent and believe and prepare for Christ and accept Christ. They're they're just there to see the show they're religious hypocrites and he says you brood of vipers you know you've come out as a little gang pretending you're religious and pretending you're interested in the messiah but mm. you're you're wicked you're hypocritical you've got no desire to forsake your own power and status and bow to him uh, you're all about yourself and so that's a kind of that's a horrible deception isn't it yeah. it's it's uh, look at us we're religious everybody uh, crafty deceivers like the viper but we've got poison in our blood because we hate christ and we're not going to submit to christ and john the baptist sees straight through there and pretends and so we don't want to be hypocritical uh, vipers religious vipers in the sense that they were but but you know as we've been saying shrewd shrewd and prudent uh, w- with with the gospel i mean uh, just listen to jesus here this is jesus at the end of matthew matthew 23 
and he's having a go at the Pharisees, oh, the, yeah. the, you know, the false leaders. Mm. I mean, it's just incredible stuff because he he's just said, you kill the prophets. Mm. Yeah. But this is quite interesting. He says in verse 33, you snakes, you brood of vipers, yeah. how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I am... S- uh, but the, the therefore is the most surprising <laughs> thing. Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the, uh, the righteous blood that has been shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of uh, uh, Zechariah. I mean, interesting. Mm. A to Z of blood upon your head yeah. against the prophets, you brood of vipers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a pretty strong condemnation. Um, okay, well, I mean, lots of good stuff there. We, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably more we could say about the snake, um, but I hope, I hope that was helpful for getting a bit of an overview. Um, and so when we uh, look at a snake... Yeah, what, well, which we should do. We yeah. should think of Genesis yeah. 3. Yeah, we should think of Genesis 3. We should We'd think, you know, um, of Revelation 20. Yep. Head crushed. Tail thrashing, maybe, but head crushed. Soon to be destroyed. Um, but we should also think, hmm, I wonder if there's anything positive I can learn about that snake. Look at the way it hangs around and blends in and, you know, does what it needs to do without compromising. Um, there'd be something, you know, something good to learn as well. Well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, We are going to produce a shorter version of this for kids. So uh, do uh, listen along with them if you've got got a family. Um, And uh, next week we'll be back. We're going to be doing another animal. Um, Cornerstone Church, kingston.org is the place to go for these resources. Others like it, um, podcasts and uh, our social media channels for for lots of other things we're, we're trying to produce.